Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hi, Hi Camaria. Is it, huh? Nice to meet you. How do you pronounce your name? I'm sorry if I'm getting it incorrect. Oh, you're fine. It's Kamaria, Kamaria Richmond. Thank you, Kamaria. Thank you. And Pleasure Robert, to meet you over the phone. I know, right? And pronounce your last name for me. It's Mowat, M-O-W-A-T, Mowat. Mowat, okay. Well, I am happy that we have connected and uh and we're able to do the show this evening you are in canada i am i'm on the beautiful bc coast west by uh just outside of vancouver i always say vancouver because because i'm 45 minutes outside vancouver Awesome. Wow. I haven't been there in probably 20 some years. I would love to, to go back and visit. It's beautiful. Well, maybe you should come to our Accelerate conference that Betty Hines will be part of and you can do lots of interviews up here. I can make right. lots of arrangements for you, my dear. Oh, well, I can keep that Just put mine. me, put me, Put May 27th to 29th in beautiful Vancouver, BC, and you can visit all the lovely places after the wow. two-day conference. You can go to Whistler. You can go and see the whale watching and Tofino. You can do all kinds of things. Oh, that is so fabulous. <laughs> that is fabulous. I will convince you. <laughs> That's great. Well, I want to thank you for being on the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. And just a proper introduction that, uh, Barbara, you are the president and CEO at Impact Consulting, I'm sorry, Communications, LTD, and uh, Grow Your Business. This that is correct. I just lost And you. executive Yeah, we're cutting out. Camaria, we're okay. cutting out. Let's see. I'm getting a message that the internet dropped the call. Okay. Hmm. Okay, can you hear me now? Mine or yours? I can. Okay. Yeah, I'm having some trouble here with uh, TalkShoe. But it says that we are still live streaming audio. So we're going to go for it. Hopefully, uh, we can keep this connection going. <laughs> Let's okay, try it. But can you? Okay, okay. And so now you are a serial entrepreneur. So before we, we talk about your business, tell it what it means for you. Uh, to be an entrepreneur, why you decided to start your business, you know, where that that entrepreneurial spirit 
uh, came from. Thank you. Uh, I, I think I sh yeah, I don't mind starting back. Uh, so I was uh, literally on my own since I was 14 years old and came out to the West Coast and got married at 17 and um, started very young, starting my, I had intentions of immediately going to university and getting my teaching degree and um, carrying on. So I, I did do that. But after one year, a child came, and then a second child came, and a third child came. So I ended up teaching for 15 years. So I became a teacher. I literally had three jobs and worked, worked really hard to pay for that education. Um, and uh, so got my degree and uh, taught everything from high school, college, and even university graduate students. I got, a both a, I got a both a teaching degree and a master's degree. And after 15 years of teaching, I realized that I was really a closet entrepreneur. And I grew up, uh, believe it or not, I did even though I was on my own parents died, et cetera, is that they, they, were, they ran a boarding home. So I had an opportunity to know what it was like to actually run a, I guess, run a business, even though I didn't know anything about running a business. But when I was teaching at the university and the college, one of the courses I taught was career and lifestyle planning, where you have a number of different people that come in that may be high school students coming into college for the first time deciding what to do with the rest of their life. At that time in the late 70s, there was a lot of career changers, people getting laid off. Um, economic depression, people that were going through, what do I do with the rest of my life, people that were retiring. And as I was putting them through the exercises of what it means to look at their lifestyle and career changes, I knew that I, too, was a closet entrepreneur. So I literally said, I'm quitting the college. I gave up a very good salary. <laughs> and I just decided that I had to do something else. So the entrepreneurial spirit, I think, was in my blood. And what I started with was at a very bad time, because you're probably too young to remember this, but it was a time in the early 80s when there was, uh, you know, there was a lot of economic downfall. It was like the recession that we had in 2008 and 2009. People were losing their homes. Interest rates were going up to 24 26%. And all of a sudden, I had, I went, oh, my God, I've got to do something else besides trying to, you know, work at these, at uh, the college and do other things. So at that point, I was very fortunate that the then um, BC government, British Columbia government, was seeing that in all of, it, all of BC and rural areas, farmers were being put under. It's a bit like the trade stuff that's happening in the U.S. where, you know, soybeans aren't selling any more trade wars, but it was worse than that because people were, really did not have the money. It was a real depression. So I got asked by um, the then president of the, of the college that I had been teaching at to please come back and do a report and a study on what can be done. And what everybody was doing is they were blaming the banks. The banks aren't giving us money. The financing isn't coming through. So I said, after I went to all these little places and saw what people were doing, they were trying to go to markets to sell their, 
their jewelry, their jams, their dress, whatever it is that they were trying to sell. And I realized that there's never going to be a way that they're going to make business. So I put a full report in that talked about people need access to markets. So now I'm going to jump ahead. So what I put together for the then just one one province, just like your one state, I put together a, pro, a, a, a program that said we need to help these people access markets that starts locally, goes nationally, goes regionally, and goes internationally. And so we started what was called, so I did three things. I started a magazine called Home Business Report. And at the time, Barbara Brabeck out of Naperville, Illinois, was the only one that was doing something for home-based business in the States, along with there, were, there was a, a woman in Oklahoma and another one in Texas with, tele, with telecommunications. But nobody was looking at what did home-based business, what did they contribute to the economy? And what could they do to help go through this economic downfall? So I started a magazine called Home Business Report, working for people working from home, which, by the way, Entrepreneur Magazine called me, and they started Homepreneur Magazine. So everything I started, the Uniquely BC became Uniquely Alberta, became Uniquely Prairies, became Uniquely Canada, then it became Uniquely Slovenia, then it became Uniquely Chile. So we expanded wow. everything that we started that was really for small businesses that were trying to make a go of it. And in the States, we shared a lot of our, I had people coming from up here from North and South Dakota and uh, Nebraska to look at our model. What were we doing for small businesses, for I'll call them home-based businesses because that's what it was. There was a famous couple in California called Paul and Sarah Edwards who followed the lot that I did and they wrote books and made tons of money. I didn't make tons of money. I was just out there helping. But I became well-known as, as a person that cared about helping micro-entrepreneurs. So then I went, so we helped, in Canada alone, we helped 12,000 Canadian entrepreneurs access increased markets by doing the following, product development, business development, and then trade development. That led me to doing work in all of Southeast Asia. So I think you saw on our website, we, we, you know, we've helped uh, countries like, <clears throat> excuse me, Malaysia, Indonesia, Africa, Rwanda, Uganda, uh, India. We went, we went to uh, um, um, oh, just about 45 different countries. We also then um, got asked in 2003, so we were doing the trade shows, we were doing the magazine. I also started the first e-commerce store uh, with the help of Robert Redford's uh, wonderful Brent Beck, who was his general manager. And um, so we had one of the very first e-commerce sites. We had a store. So we were just doing a multitude of different things. After six, so that started in 1986 when I quit the college, right? And then in 2003, I had decided that I have three children. My son is now 49, my daughter's 47, and the other one's 43, uh, sorry, 47, 45. So then they started working with me, and they worked for 16 years. Uh, going to school, everybody was working, doing their stuff, but I thought I was going to leave them with the businesses. And um, they didn't want them. It was like, Mom, that's your dream. I don't want to be a publisher. I don't want to run a store. I don't want to run any coffee <laughs> 
So at that point, I sold. I sold my magazine. I sold the store. I sold the e-commerce. I just sold. And I then just started doing international work. So in 203, because my daughters in 203 and 204 got married, right? And then in 203, I got asked to go to Afghanistan in June 203. Right after the war, March 203 was when um, the the Afghanistan major uh, conflict ended. And we were the first ones to go into Afghanistan to deal with the Women's Economic Development Council. Lots of great stories there. If I ever meet you, I'll share videos and stories with you and slides with you uh, of what we did there. But that ended, all my international work, working in Rwanda, Uganda. Then I got asked to do Pakistan, and my daughter said to me in 2007, Mom, please don't do any more of the danger countries. And I sort of said, why? I love going there and helping the women. And they said, because because we're having babies, and we need you now as a grandma. So, oh, wow. Uh, am I going too long for you? So, no, what, These are true stories. So I went... Yeah. So in 2007, I went, okay, I get it. So I turned down Pakistan, and I turned down the danger countries, and I just went danger, meaning con- con- countries where there was conflict, potential conflict, right? And things were changing. Things were changing in the world, right? Travel wasn't as easy anymore. Conflicts. So I then I went into hibernation for almost a year in 2007. I just I kind of went... I no longer had my commercial, I mean, I kept my office, but I didn't have the staff. I didn't, I, it just changed. There was a real transition. And I hear, I guess in some ways it's the same as women who leave a corporate world. It's like there is a transition period. Oh, my gosh, what do I do now with the rest of my life? Some people enjoy life. I wasn't ready to quit, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I got asked if I could run uh, and start Women Presidents Organization, which you're probably familiar with, WPO in New York with Marsha, in Vancouver. And I went, no, no, I don't really help multi-million dollar women. I help small businesses and, you know, no, I'm not interested. But then I got convinced because what I saw was that when, and this is what I love Betty Hines, when women, that's how I met Betty. It was through WPO. We were both chairs together. I was the main chair in Canada she was a chair, so we became we befriend we we became friends. All the chairs become friends with each other. I had three three boards in um, three chapters in Vancouver. Helped start one in Calgary. Start helping one on the East Coast, and then I had women that called me and said, "We want to join WPO, but of course, it's revenue driven. So it's a million. We say it's a million plus. So you have to be a certain revenue." I was. I had women call me that said, we love what you're doing with WPO. And I had already experienced doing peer support groups in, in Africa and other countries. So I knew what it was like to learn from each other. I know when peers get together how much they value each other and how much learning can go on by just sharing stories, by sharing experiences, by doing what we're doing right now. It's like, yeah, you know, why do you, why does it have to be revenue driven any any entrepreneur any woman entrepreneur any entrepreneur period who is not who who is ready for that next growth level but they don't know how to get there and they don't have the support so that is why in 2010 i started grow your biz so grow your biz does not have 
a revenue um, doesn't doesn't have a revenue as one of their you know ways to get in. Uh, what's the word I want to say? Criteria to get in. I just want to know what they're doing and how do they want to grow and what do they want to grow to? What do they see as their next next growth level plan? So that is why I started that. We now have over 21 boards. We are we now license it to other countries. So now this leads to the next thing is well. How do we, and you know this in, 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 in all of North America, there are so many rural, rural places. Well, there's no way, and I'll use, I'll use Canada as an example, we have northern communities, Flon, Manitoba, Goose Bay, Labrador, Prince Rupert, D.C. You have Naperville, you have all kinds of little communities. Well, there's no way that a full board can be, can be designed for that one small community because you need at least 16 members to a board. So that's when I went, we've got to do something different. Plus, I was getting calls from other countries. I worked in Slovenia, so I knew what it was like. I knew what it's like to work in, in Chile, right? So I went, we've got to do something with technology. So we were actually the very first company, because WPO wasn't doing it yet, Tech wasn't doing it yet, Vistage wasn't doing it yet, is to start virtual and global boards where we actually do the same thing. We bring women together with a professional facilitator and we have monthly meetings and we definitely go through the same process. So that world has expanded for me. And now I have, I have boards where I have representative, I have members from the UK, um, Jordan, Serbia, Nigeria, Rwanda, Ukraine, Guatemala, Spain, Netherlands, Australia, it doesn't matter where you are. You can join. So that brings me to, the, to now. So then what happened is we realized that um, I wanted to do more. So then I, in 2015, I did the big conference called Accelerate 2015, Grow Your Biz with the Speed of Collaboration. And I did not want to do an ordinary conference. It wasn't just about oh, business, a business conference. I wanted to make sure that it was going to be a thought, and I know this word now gets used a lot more than it did, but I wanted to innovate people, inspire them, and influence them to be thought leaders. It's sort of like local solutions with global impact. To, to think new ways beyond the norm. So everybody has these small businesses, but what can they do that's different? How can they contribute differently to the world? How can they grow their business with, and, and it's funny because Betty and I did not talk about this. My words are grow your business with compassion, courage, confidence, and collaboration. And she says all of the same things. So we started laughing and say, okay, kindred spirits, we know we are. Um, so, <laughs> so that's where, where I'm at. And and I and I and then uh, the very one of the first sessions I did in Accelerate 2017 was the very first plenary was called Grow um, Collaborating Collaboration on the World Growing Your Business with Collaboration and the World We Want and I brought in my good friends Elise Nelson who is the head of Vital Voices, Amanda Ellis who he, her and I go back when we started the Global Banking Lodge for Women Entrepreneurs in 2000 
and uh, Mahmoud Mahildin, who was the, at that time, he was the senior vice president for all of the UN SDG uh, challenges for 2030. And we together started, at that conference, was initiated the We Empower UN SDG Challenge, which now is going into its third year. And this is where we work with the United UN Women, and we, and we did the first, um, I'm one of the lead sponsors, Grow Your Business is one of the lead sponsors, and that's taken place at the UN Assembly at the end of September in New York City. And five women are selected from one of the United Nations from one of the United Nations countries. So it's Western Europe, Eastern Europe, um, uh, Africa, Middle East, South America, and uh, and the and yeah, and Asia Pacific. And it's amazing. So these women, when uh, they they compete, we we had uh, the leading uh, university that's involved is Arizona State University. ASU, which is the Global Institute for uh, uh, Sustainable Development. And um, Amanda Ellis happens to be the executive director for the uh, Global Sustainable Unit. And we have a team. And we have, you can just go on the website and look up We Empower UN SDG Challenge, and you'll see the wonderful women that have uh, been winners. And we'll do another challenge again next year, or this year coming up they'll compete. So I'm involved in a lot of things, but it's all to do with, it's dedicated to the full spectrum of women entrepreneurs, women's economic empowerment, SDG challenges, and what can we do to make this a better world as it deals with all the things that we have to deal with, whether it's, whether it's climate action, water shortage, use of plastics, um, environmental concerns, uh, peace and security and human rights. That's all the SDGs. That's what we should be working towards. That's what businesses need to think about. And that's me. Nothing more, nothing Wow. Else. Wow, absolutely. I mean, this is amazing. And Barbara, I mean, did you ever envision that this is what you would be doing? No. No, I was a little girl growing up in a little town, little rural town with uh, alcoholic parents and did not know I would even ever get my education in Dryden, Ontario. So no, I did not know. I was the youngest of five and I was the last wow. one to leave. And that was like, yeah, no, never, never, in a, never in a million years. But I had drive and I knew I wanted to make a difference. I knew that I wanted to never be dependent. I wanted to be financially independent. And I wanted to do something, and I wanted to get my education. Education was always important to me, always. And I didn't wow, want to. Yes, I didn't want to wow. live in a world of alcoholism. And no, I did not. I needed. To, I needed to leave the little. I needed to leave the little town of Dryden. Yes. And this so is so there. I there I, mean, I am. There it well. Wow, I mean the the so, entrepreneurial spirit it was there. You really it was it was there. You were driven to do this work and and tell us about uh the conference that's coming up in May. I am excited about it because once again I'm trying to make a difference. I'm trying to um look at what's important and 
And um, let me just give you a highlight. So, for example, so I'll give you an idea of some of the of some of the plenaries. One is called humanizing healthcare. Humanizing healthcare, the cost to businesses and WPOs, even though it sounds like Canada's, you know, Canada's great. We've got all these things. Canada's healthcare system is not perfect, and certainly the U.S. isn't either. And so. You know, it's not the socialist program that any, many of us believe it is or should be. It is clearly has problems. I'm dealing with someone in our family with dementia, my ex-husband actually. I was married for 26 years. I'm now divorced 29 years, but I still look after him. Okay, he's got dementia. It's hard. It's really difficult. And the caregivers wow. are often the women. And, and, and you try, and unless you have, unless you have, a, unless you have money, Unless you can pay for those eight to ten thousand dollar facilities, you're at the hands of you're homeless. You are you've got nothing. You've got to wait for government assisted programs, and you know it's very difficult to be a to be a caregiver. So what does it take? So I'm bringing together some wonderful panelists to deal with that one. So just call it, how do we humanize health care? How do we humanize it? How do we help everybody? The patient, the caregiver, the people that have to pay for it. We've got to do something. So it's a great panel. And every one of my plenary sessions and every one of my workshops, there is a call to action. And always at the end. And that's why when we did the collaborating on the future we want, the call to action was, Mahmoud, who was there from the UN Senior Vice President, he says, well, what can we do? And we said, Amanda and I said to him, well, we need to start recognizing the number of women, the number of small business women that are doing something to contribute to one of the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. There's now 17 of them. Why don't we recognize them? Why don't we put out a challenge? Why don't we give them an award? Why don't we recognize them? Why don't we help their business for the one year, whatever, right? And the call to action um, for the healthcare one might be just simply, how as, a, how, as a voice that we all have, can we help healthcare? Right? It could be simple, something simple as that. Another one that we're doing, just to give you an idea, is, um, is going to be called Empathic Leadership. How to lead with both strength and compassion. And in that one, it's, um, again, Global consuming buying is very different now. It's changing, especially among women and youth who are speaking out more. They want, they crave, we all crave authenticity. We don't want, it's not just about money. Money and morals don't, you know, that's a whole conversation there. What are corporations right. doing to stand out and be different, right? What are they doing yes. to incorporate their leadership socially, environmentally, corporate responsibility, business practices, including inclusiveness, diversity, gender equality. So I'm only, choosing, I'm only choosing corporations, I want five of them, I haven't gotten them all yet, um, that are actually doing something different. So for example, um, BMO, who's our leading sponsor, is actually doing something different. They have started a whole new campaign and I love it. It's, it's, it and so they're going to be a panel speaker. TELUS is a corporate leader in Canada, and they have initiatives that are community-related. 
Uh, they also have community international boards, so it's not just about Canada. They have the Future Friendly Foundation, which helps kids through technology, health, and educational program. They'll give them a, they'll give kids who are in need, who are in that mental health area, that that they give them a phone for a whole year with their own that they can call for an emergency. They've got they they're just leading with strength. I love it. Um, there's different ones, right? So I haven't got them all picked, but that gives you an idea. Um, okay. Another one, oh, and another one just so that you know, and I think I said this to you, it's called Doing Little Things in a Big Way, It's Up to Us, Sustainable Solutions. So I have the wonderful Waste to Wear. Uh, I met her in 2015. She's a wonderful woman. No, I met her in 2012, actually. Her name is Monique Maison. And she collects, she was seeing what was happening with plastic, the plastic bottles, before all those other people got involved. And the more, the better, right? But she was one of the first uh -huh. to pay fishermen to bring, she's a Dutch entrepreneur from the Netherlands. She moved to the Shanghai, China, because that's where a lot of the plastic bottles were, were coming from, right? And she makes, her company is called Waste to Wear. She makes incredible fabrics from plastics. She started with ordinary bags and the stuff you normally see. Now she does fashions in, for Milan and Paris. It doesn't matter, and everything is made. All the cloth is made from plastics. Beautiful, right? So that's a speaker on that panel. Le yes, Leah Lizanardo, 412 Food Rescue out of Pittsburgh. And now we've brought her into Canada. Now I've brought her to Vancouver. December 5th, I brought her to Vancouver. She has food, she has 412 Food Rescue, which she started off real small. Now I don't know, 60,000 people that she's helping. She's in four states, and the first one in Canada will be Vancouver called Food Runners, collecting food. Look at all the rest. Look at, you go to a banquet. We go to, we go to these places, these restaurants. So it's all done digitally. She has drivers. They pick up the food, and they give them to the homeless. They give them to people that need it. Amazing. Food waste, Amazing. right? How do you deal with it? So it's called 412 Food Rescue. And another person on that panel is Dr. Maimuna Kadiri. And she is a CEO and founder of Pinnacle Medical Services. And she's from Nigeria, in Lagos, Nigeria. She is the leading person in Nigeria on helping mental health. So she'll come out in May with her three new books. That was How to Raise a Child Who is Dealing with Depression how to raise a child who is dealing with, with uh, drug abuse and how to raise a child who is dealing with mental health. And it's really, her, her goal is to work with the parents, the teachers, the school boards, the corporations to deal with mental health because still there, it's, it's, it's put under. People don't want to talk about it uh, or they blame mm. everything on without recognizing it. So. And then I have Major General Suzanne Veris Lum coming from Hawaii. And uh, she works for the U.S. Indo-Pacific um, Command. And she's going to talk about peace and security for women and human rights. So amazing speakers. And, but you get the goal of what I'm doing. It's not just, it's like, what can we do in our own little community? Maybe we can start doing something with plastics more. Maybe we can start a drive here where we give them to the, we, we collect them and give them to her and her manufacturing plant. Maybe we, maybe we, well, we started Food Runners already. That was because I brought, I brought Leah up here and I said, Leah, we're going to do something more in Canada. 
So we already got a whole organization that started Food Runners in Vancouver, and they're starting in uh, February. They're starting this month. This is this month. So it's all about connections. What are other countries doing? What can we do that we'll learn from each other? And so it's meant to be uh, local solutions for global impact. And local solutions happen everywhere. If they're happening in your town, your city, wherever you live, they're happening. How do we share that? How do we share those stories? So my business conference is called Accelerate Grow Your Biz with a Speed of Collaboration because it is about collaboration. If we don't learn from each other, uh, then nothing happens. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. That's my conference. May 27, 29. In beautiful Vancouver, I want you here. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It sounds amazing. And you know, I'm so um I'm so thankful uh that we connected uh because you know, I was talking to Betty and she's like, you know, I know all of these amazing women that do amazing things and as uh as you know, I interviewed her on my radio show and uh my television show here in in Maryland and as a list of names would come up I'm like I'm going to reach out to that woman because it really is about community and it really is global and it really is um multicultural I mean women are doing some amazing work and one of the things mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I like to do is to highlight uh women doing amazing things and and so i thank you especially you know dialing in from canada to to share your story with us and i knew i would get a story i didn't know we get that story i mean that's just <laughs> i i well you know I, it's so i hi i caught i I'm think sorry, you cut off okay i can i can hear you Okay, so yeah, and so I guess what I'd like to do for you is I will like, like I can introduce you to Monique Maison from Ways to Wear. I can introduce you to, to some of these wonderful women. And it's just, you know, I mean, it's like, what can we do for each other that's going to help us spread the word that women do make a difference? And when I say doing little things in a big Absolutely. way, sustainable solutions, it is, it is up to us. We're all doing little things. You're, you're promoting through technology now what those stories are maybe there's someone that will listen to this and say wow I'd like to know more about uh, 412 food rescue that woman in Pittsburgh how do I get that name oh I'll give it to you right, right? it's little right. It's that kind of thing that can happen and and that's what and you know that's what we're looking mean? for we're looking for those kinds of sorry yeah, um, it's exactly yeah. what we need. It is exactly what we need um, mm -hmm. globally, just reaching out, you know, women elevating and and helping other women. And we know we do, we have men that are in the trenches as well, but we definitely have to highlight um, these these businesses and these communities. And so I want to thank you so much. And Barbara, tell folks how they can get in contact with you. I would say that they could either uh, email me, which is Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, -A -A, dot Moat, M as in mother, O-W-A-T, at, and this is where it becomes, uh, you have to, I have to spell it out, 
Grow is spelled G-R-O, no W, G-R-O-Y-O-U-R-B-I-Z dot com. Barbara.Mowat at GrowYourBiz.com or they can call me on my cell, 604-644-8298. GrowYourBiz.com. And then... And then I hope that we can get some of your, your, your listeners to inquire about our upcoming conference and see who the fabulous yeah. speakers are. We're just putting out a constant contact. How do I get that to you? I need an email to do that. Yes, you, it's actually Kamaria uh, Richmond at yahoo.net. And I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Please, and then I'll just, I'll just send you... I'll send you our, um, we just put out a constant contact with over, we have over 57 speakers. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of speakers. Yeah. So it's big. Wow. It's two and a half days. Yes. So I'll send that to you and you can start looking them and seeing who they are. And um, oh, maybe I'll see you in person soon. Are you going to be at Women Elevating Women? I'm not sure if I'm going to make which event I'm going to make, if it'll be the first one or the second or third, um, I am trying to figure that out. <laughs> but if, if you I come on March, if you come on March, if you, if you come on March the 9th, I can meet you. Okay, so you will be there on March 9th. Yes. Great. Yes, ma'am. Okay, great. That would well, be lovely. Barbara, lovely, lovely to meet you. It would be. I'm so so happy that we connected, and I want to thank you so much for being on the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. And and part of my story is, um, my show is called that because I had a stroke in 2004, and so uh, social oh. media has been what's what keeps me connected to what's going on in the outside world. So I one I get excited and I'm like well I have to share what they're doing and just to keep it rolling so that we're all uh connected we know what's going on in the world so social media uh doing this show which is why I would love to connect with you know more women um is really been a, a blessing for me to meet people like yourself and to share your story and to share the work that you're doing um I think it's really vitally important important work and so thank you so much any last words i would love to know i would love to know more about you and your stroke so one day i hope we do have the privilege of meeting each other in person it has been a pleasure i don't normally do these because i get too nervous um I really, yeah, do. anyway, you were very, you just let me talk, which is great. It's like, oh, I don't want to answer all these, but thank you. Please send me your email and I will send you our, I will send you the new thing that we just put out and I'll have you on my mailing okay. list and anything I can do to help you get to Vancouver, I'm happy to do that. Oh, that is so much appreciated. Thank you. And because we did have some hiccups with TalkShoe, I'm going to make sure that we were actually taping <laughs> if, if we did not tape uh, because we had, had a hiccup the other night with TalkShoe. Uh, we may have to do this again, but it looks like. Oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> it looks like everything went well, but I am definitely going to double check oh, you know, once a week. We hang out, but thank you okay. so much. Enjoy Thanks the rest so, of your day and the so end of the next yeah. noon. Okay, you have a good one. And I hope to see you. Bye. Bye. Yes, definitely. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Stroke Diva Fabulous radio show. I'm your host, Kamaria Richmond, and I will talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.